Hey, it's me. Hey, I figured. <laughs> uh, how's it going? Uh, it's going all right. I had uh, like the fuse kept on blowing in my apartment this morning, so I've just been running around. I'm like eyeing my window AC unit nervously. So uh, if it cuts out, that's why. Oh God, that's that's so upsetting. Do you have like um? What what style of of setup is it? Is it like an actual old like fuse box with fuses that you have to replace? Yeah, I mean, basically, uh, it looks like a prop in one of those like '80s metal band uh, <laughs> music videos with the sparks <laughs> shooting out of it, you know. Um, and like the closet's completely full, so the door doesn't even close, and I have to like worm my way in behind it. This is terribly interesting. <laughs> I do like that that image though, of just like your AC just like going so high that like yeah it's the the fuse box is sparking maybe it it shocks your pen while you're you're writing because you write with a pen probably and uh, supercharges <laughs> quill, it actually a yeah. quill it it just supercharges it and uh, and that's the the sort of climax of the music video right yeah um, or or any Marvel or DC movie. Yeah, no, that gives you your powers. Right. Yeah, what would those powers be? I guess just like, did you ever play the game Comic Zone? No, what was that? That was in a Sega Genesis or Mega Drive for our European listeners. Uh, <laughs> video game where the plot was basically that, I think it was Lightning. I think it was like this guy named Sketch is like this comic artist, because of course he is with a name like that. Uh, and he gets struck by Lightning or something and like, gets sucked into his comic and like he, the villain of his comic be, like enters the real world and then he has to like fight his way through all of this stuff but like it was set up like a comic so like you would swing from one panel to the next you could like rip off part of the page and make it into a paper airplane to throw oh, at people. Oh I do remember this yeah I remember yeah. right the panels were like integrated into like the level design or something right? Yeah. Okay I do remember that now it's, I think it's really funny how uh, like lightning is like the one major like Greco-Roman mythology trope that is just like carried over into everything afterwards. Like, you know, just like the idea that being struck by lightning would make you powerful because it's like, you know, Zeus doing it to you. Um, yeah. And I guess we've like horseshoed all the way around to having that be like a literal thing in the new Wonder Woman movie. Oh, really? Is there lightning? Someone gets struck by lightning in that? Well, like Diana is, uh, you know, the son of, or the daughter of Zeus, and, and she has some, you know, it's implied that she gets power from thunder that hits her bracelets at the end. I don't know. Oh. Don't at me, DC fan. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's it's funny. Like, I'm sure there is, I'm sure there's a dissertation on this sort of cultural role of lightning over the centuries in the Western canon, because, like, it, you start with, like, with Zeus, and then transmutes into like uh this this other role with frankenstein right yeah um it, it becomes this more like scientific force almost um but it's still this like life-giving power kind of thing um that is i have never really thought about that yeah and it's like also i mean you would think that that just would be dispelled by now and people would just be like, "Oh, when you get hit by lightning, you actually just die." <laughs> you just or die. You get, like a really, or you get a really cool scar. You get one of those like Lichtenstein figure scars that looks like a kind of like a sort of, you know, AI decision tree branch. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that is weird that it still does hold that that kind of spot in the culture. 
Yeah, and it, I think it also carries over to other things like, you know, being bitten by a radioactive spider <laughs> or falling into a vat of, like, you know, green ooze or goop. Like, these things that should be lethal and kill us actually give us superhuman strength and power. Um, and I don't know. I'm sure there's a bit of Judeo-Christianity in there, too. Oh, absolutely. And I feel like the the kind of modern equivalent of the lightning stuff, because that... I feel like is a little it's receded a little bit um but that was replaced in the 20th century with the power of the atom right because that's right. that's sort of like the life-giving weird force that we don't really comprehend um and that's what's going to give you your hulks it's going to give you your um your captain americas i think if it's a radioactive serum yeah um so who knows right or space rays which are space lightning essentially <laughs> Right, yeah, it's always, uh, again, some kind of like Greek letter, right? Some like alpha, gamma, omega rays or something hitting you. And uh, yeah, and all these are supposed to be lethal. And it's supposed to be this one exceptional person that does not get (laughs) killed by it, uh, which sort of implies that there is something like intrinsically heroic about them. It's not just the thing endowing them with this power, but just kind of amplifying it. Yeah, no, yeah, there is that element of of they they had some latent force within them that was awakened by yeah well by this event what's like the next mystical power source is it going to be like wind wind (laughs) Wind energy god oh my god yeah what is that going to be because um we've as a people have soured on on atomic power i think quite a bit um i don't know geothermal energy yeah falling into a volcano (laughs) i got my powers from falling into a volcano and now i'm lava man i know i love i love the idea of like a collapsed mythology where because like if you if everybody got their powers from like the bikini atoll nuclear bomb testing or like the uh you know like the new mexico tests like i just imagine like you know two thousand like superheroes in waiting just like going about their business being like doop 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 oh this is weird this is like a fake store i wonder what's in here and then like the bomb drops and they all <laughs> become like superheroes at the same time yeah that's a pretty good premise actually <laughs> i would like to see that that uh played out but yeah who knows what the this power source of the superheroes of the future will be in a uh <laughs> a warmer uh more fragile world maybe yeah, right. maybe like, we'll sour on superheroes entirely right. mild-mannered steve stevenson plugs in his elon musk tesla power wall too uh <laughs> only to discover you know, <laughs> that the fuse blows whatever then he's got uh I, th- I think i tweeted once like you know superhero origin story where like a guy like damages his smartphone soaks it in rice and then eats the rice and gains all the power of the smartphone <laughs> something like that i think i remember that it was that's a very <laughs> good premise like what are the powers of the smartphone that he would yeah he would obtain and also what would his name be would it be like smart man or like oh i, I man i man tm 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 <laughs> yeah huh he would just have access to like he could just like uh he would have to to say something out loud, but like once he he would be like he would have Siri on him at all times. But that was his <laughs> right, like, his sidekick. His, like yeah, his Cortana, right? His, like, yeah. Wow, which is so upsetting. I think maybe I've talked about this on 
a recent episode, but that's so upsetting that that's a thing. Like, the Cortana is this still like because I started using a Windows computer to um uh because my roommate has one, and uh, I play computer games on it. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a Cortana button, which is like not good to me i think and i guess if you have a windows phone you ask cortana right right i mean is it like is it shaped in any way that is supposed to like denote humanity you know what i mean like is it supposed to be like oh the cortana button looks like a happy face or like a uh a butt or something i think it (laughs) i think it just looks like a circle but like I don't know, like her face definitely is like in some of the branding stuff. Yeah. Um, which I'm glad that it's not in the default. Like it seems to just be like a circle icon. Um, but yeah, because that would just be upsetting. Like this is like a weird, sexy, blue, transparent lady from Halo. And they're like, <laughs> oh, this is our Siri now because it has such good brand recognition from the Halo games. Yeah. Halo players are going to love this. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. I, uh, it's there's something really interesting to unpack about how all these like virtual assistants are female. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I took this like interaction design class in college uh, where they actually did a study about, um, you know, uh, how people respond to voice interfaces uh, if they're either male or female, and they determined that um, like things like knowledge that was you know delivered to you in a male voice was perceived as more authoritative and things mm-hmm. like that. But they go, uh, you know, I'm sure there's other sort of gendered stuff layered on to uh, having these like female assistants, you know, servants, basically. Um, and uh, yeah, there's definitely been meetings about it, you know. Yeah. Well, it's weird to me, like, bec- well, so like subway voices in a lot of places um, like London, um, probably some others, but like they're all women's voices and then also like the weirdest thing for me is the gps stuff because like i would think that having a female gps voice just because of sexism would be like perceived as i don't know like a woman giving you directions like don't men hate that or something like yeah and i feel like i have been in cars with people who are like oh she's doesn't know what she's talking about like and i'm like (laughs) Well, why don't why isn't the voice like Batman or something? Like, would that be better? Yeah. Although I I really do relish the idea of there just being like female bots that men can harass instead of actual women. <laughs> well, you say that now, but like when the uh, when they go rogue or whatever. Right. You know, yeah. Exactly. They're gonna ex machina when they go rampant. Uh, yeah. Um. It, I, I I'm thinking about like the New York subway now where they have like um the female voice giving all of the stops and directions, but then the male voice issuing all the sort of censorious, uh, <laughs> you know, like pro like stand clear the closing doors, please. You mm-hmm. know, like that's the, a male voice things about like, you know, uh, orders to like, you know, watch your, watch your personal belongings so that nobody steals them is a male voice. Yeah. There was, I feel like there was a whole article like a couple of years ago on the woman who did the, Wait, no, maybe London is a dude. I don't remember. I'll have to look this up <laughs> afterwards. But uh, yeah, no, this, the voices that we sort of like hear all around us in just day-to-day life are like the, the politics of all that stuff is really fascinating to me. Yeah, I, I wonder what would happen if they tried to you know, come up with some kind of like knife edge, perfectly androgynous voice 
to uh i don't know if they like took like young ma's voice or something and uh, <laughs> used that for all the announcements i would love that if young ma did all the mta announcements that would be amazing um we would you know we would all i think live a better life and i would weather the constant disruptions and delays much better Exactly. I feel like I don't want to get into this too much because I acknowledge that we have listeners who don't live in New York City and hearing about our, you know, uh, uh, East Coast media elite problems uh, with our trains is not uh, exactly something that they're interested in. <laughs> but man, then this why, summer. Why are there so many novels about it then? That's true. They weren't hungry for this. Yeah, they're hungry for it. They want to hear about it. <laughs> they're thirsty for this MTA. Yeah. No, let's not. I just, I can't bear. I can't bear to think about it. It's too much every day. It's just a new hell that I enter. Has, has anyone rule thirty four the MTA yet? We are gonna find out right now. Uh, yeah, or you know how they have that? Um, like you think the sexy plane? No, I'm thinking about the sexy like version iterations of Windows. Like uh, oh yeah, like the Windows Kajinkas. Yeah, right, right. Um, where they have like. Uh, there's like one of the windows, like anime avatars has really big boobs because, like it's, uh, that that version of Windows is really like resource intensive. <laughs> That's how they translate that into, they they translate it into anime titty. Yeah, I, so I'm disappointed uh, that I am not finding much um or anything. What I what somehow okay somehow what searching Rule Thirty Four New York subway came up with is a lot of pictures of people carrying dogs in bags on the train, which is like good, <laughs> but not what I was looking for. Maybe that yeah. is in the MTA's like list of rules. Maybe that is the 34th rule. <laughs> dogs in bags, please. Bag your dogs. Yeah. It, it'd be so easy to personify the different train lines though. Okay. I'm sorry. I did not mean to take us back into back underground. No, this is fine. We can reemerge. This is fine. This is fine. <laughs> I'm sure one of your listeners can can dig something up, dig up a sexy L train. Although the L train is is gonna, what is? How would you represent that? That the fact that it's going to die for a few years? Yeah. Well, I don't know. Zombie. Well, maybe just be like a sexy consumptive, like a consumptive hipster. Oh. Yeah, that could work. Yeah, like a like a a girl with an ombre and a fedora, and like a like a V neck. But she's also like coughing blood into a handkerchief. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Uh, now, I heard from someone that may have been you. Okay. That you uh, purchased a Nintendo Switch recently. Yes, you did hear it straight from me. Um, it's it's pretty wonderful. I have to say, I only, you know, I only have uh, Breath of the Wild and... I also downloaded Puyo Puyo Tetris just for funsies, I guess, um, to show my nieces and stuff. And it's like, it's amazing. Like, I don't want to do too much flacking for it, but yeah, no. uh, the idea that like I can just be playing something on my TV and then pick it up and then take it on the Amtrak or something. It's actually scary how it distorts like the passage of time in a day because <laughs> it's like so involving and you're just, you can carry it wherever you want. And I'm just like... I reached the end of my day and I'm like, I feel like I've been awake for three hours. <laughs> That's my problem with, with gaming lately is I don't 
like how absorbing it is. I right, want yeah, it to I, be less it, compelling. Exactly. It's like too good, right? It's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it shouldn't be okay. It shouldn't be allowed. Like I was playing um uh some VR stuff with my girlfriend last night and um cuz again my my roommate has that fucking rig that is just set up to just like jack you into the fucking zone. Um, <laughs> and we were playing uh super hot and like uh robo recall and uh they're just like really good. And I'm like, I don't think games should be allowed to be this good. Like it's, yeah. it, 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 this is what people want and we shouldn't be allowed to have it. Yeah. So, I mean, super hot, especially like just, I love a really strong aesthetic in a game uh, on top. Like that's totally superfluous, you know, like there's no mm-hmm. reason it had to look that good. Uh, you could have just done it with like you know a you know Minecraft figures on the Unreal Engine or something, um, and it still would have been fun. But the fact that there's this whole sort of uh, glaze of of narrative and of like you know retrofuturism from the '80s shellacked on top of it is like super interesting. I, I you know I love uh, Suda Goichi games for the same reason. Um, like killer seven and stuff just they just look really really good mm-hmm. and which which means that, i mean you can even slap that on top of a crap game and and it'll still feel good for that reason <laughs> i mean like persona 5 i love persona 5 i played through the whole thing but it's like basically just 100 percent, you know aesthetics right it's it's on, on top of a, a a bog standard jrpg and more specifically like exactly like every other iteration of persona yeah now what something that i'm curious about is if such a big draw of this stuff is aesthetics, uh, then what is it about th- that kind of activity that draws people in that's different from like watching a, uh, watching something or, or reading something um, if it is so strongly rooted in like the aesthetics of it? Well, I mean, part of it is just like the tactile pleasure of, uh, you know, controlling things with your hands and seeing them mapped onto the screen in these sort of magnificent ways, right? right. But then there's also, you know, the well-documented, you know, psychological reward mechanisms of mm-hmm. achieving things, getting things done, having an illusion of progress or an illusion of improvement, uh, you know, of, of your own talents, which is, I think, the the more recent thing with, like, the Soul series and um roguelike games and stuff like that where it's just like oh i'm just running the same thing over and over but i'm getting better right Um, right and uh yeah you don't have something like a reward mechanism or a sense of deepened or like heightened increased scale or power when you read a book necessarily uh you might be learning things but uh especially if you read something like a novel uh there, it's more like you have a increased sense of, I don't know, understanding, semantic depth. It, it it's it's sort of tough to say. Yeah. But I don't know. I think people have trouble seeing things like tactile or haptic experiences as aesthetic because we're just not used to it yet. Uh, and even things like reward mechanisms, like you know, the design of uh, an XP gain. Mechan- mechanic in an RPG or whatever as an artistic choice mm. rather than just some kind of technological thing because you know more than any other medium uh, video games are bound up with like the the capabilities and limitations of technology it's a stem field yeah no I, I'm thinking about um, about this piece now that you wrote 
um, about a year ago, I think, that was about just like it was one of the smartest pieces on games I'd, I'd read in a long time. Uh, and it was about just sort of like just a lot of this stuff, like just the tactile sort of experience of like of doing something and seeing something uh, improve over time. Um, and then also just like about this stuff we were talking about before of just like having just this experience of like losing time. Uh, and it was that piece on um, Clash of Clans. Oh, yeah, right. That uh, Sarah Nicole Prickett commissioned that for me. Um, it was, you know, I had no interest in that kind of game at all uh, to begin with, which is not to say I've never played uh, any of them. Like, you know, I like trying everything. And so things like Farmville or uh, other sort of resource management sims like XCOM or whatever, I gave those a try. And I never really liked them, but I... It's. I found myself, in spite of knowing that I was not really enjoying it, or and I didn't think it was like a particularly smartly designed game, was still completely addicted to it. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, it's it's almost scary how it can uh, circumvent your your aesthetic objections in that <laughs> way, just because of the way that brains are designed designed to be. To, to to feel pleasure, to feel satisfaction, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I wrote a lot about this stuff in college because um, I, uh, I majored in something called Symbolic Systems at Stanford, uh, which is a program they have there. Uh, anywhere else it would be called Cognitive Sciences, um, but they added some like, uh, you know, linguistics and philosophy to give it kind of a, you know, humanoid Cortana face. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I, I did my both my theses, my undergrad and master's thesis on uh, video game interaction design, um, specifically with video game controllers and video game menus. And uh, yeah, like part of what I read f- for those theses was this um, uh, sort of pop psychi- psychologist named uh, Mihai Csikszentmihalyi. Um, who studies, he calls himself like a happiness researcher. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has this theory of what he calls optimal experience, which is exactly this experience of like uh, getting very involved uh, and focused on something and just feeling, you know, like uh, even if it's something is difficult, you're just going to keep on working at it. And, you know, there's this very specific level of like of challenging but not too difficult that is able to elicit this. And it's an experience that, uh, can be found in disciplines as varied as like painting and surfing and you know uh, uh, sex and video games most you know most obviously right mm-hmm. uh, where they're designed to reproduce this feeling in people. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I I took a lot of his work and applied it to uh, what I was writing about, which is not uncommon in video game academia. I think. Yeah. No. Um. Uh, maybe not academia specifically, but just video game criticism and culture um, is really weird and like does sort of draw on these sort of disparate things. Um, but like you mentioned in that piece, like there is sort of also this element still of this defensiveness. Um, like there's like this impulse to be like, this is good and art and it's, it's important uh on the one hand and then like this 
that's kind of in response to like this, I guess, just still general like uh, attitude of like, this is not anything from like, from a lot of mainstream culture writing. Right. Um, and it's still just like in such a weird place. Um, it is. I mean, it's, it's sort of constantly veering back and forth between on the one hand, like this um, incensed gamer who, you know, with their Jack Thompson straw man in their head, uh, who, who's, who thinks that all of society and culture is arrayed against them when, you know, the case as in all things is that they're just enormously indifferent. Yeah. Um, and, <laughs> Uh, on the on the other hand, this kind of uh, you know what I would I call just a form of philistinism, where uh, people who have had little exposure to it um, are perfectly willing to dismiss uh, games in toto as uh, you know like toys for losers uh, and children and cats and stuff. <laughs> um. <laughs> now, hey, don't don't lump cats in with children and losers. <laughs> but yeah, I mean. It, it, it's it would be disingenuous not to imply though that part of the or not not to insinuate that part of the appeal of games is precisely this like cat like baby like appeal of like touching a button and then hearing like a, a jackpot sound or something you know oh absolutely yeah you gotta get that ding right the that ding. level up yeah she wants the ding <laughs> <laughs> uh that would be such a great joke if do you, I don't know if people even still say that anymore, or if that was like an EverQuest Brats, thing. Brats on the ding. Yeah, I think that, that was like a WoW thing. I never really played WoW. Yeah, no, me neither. I've I've avoided the lure of every MMO, um, thankfully. But occasionally I do see someone playing one, and I'm just like, maybe that's like a really good idea. Maybe I should yeah. just like get really deep into playing Final Fantasy Online. Yeah, I, I, I sort of want to do it once, but I haven't really found one that I actually enjoy as much as like single player games or these kind of just uh you know match based uh online games like you know dota or left for dead or things like that where you know i can i can participate once and then never see these four assholes again yeah no and also just those uh, mmos i feel like still haven't gotten good at like they're just so complex and like that is like their substitute for depth i feel like is just like just complexity like a kind of crude complexity of just like we're gonna fill your screen with so many goddamn bars and keys (laughs) and maps and shit and like everything comes down to crude numbers because it's like not physics based usually which also is numbers but is is less sort of like available i guess yeah as like a, a metric um and it's just very much like dps and like time that you can spend like buildings it's just like too it just becomes like math craft right? yeah anytime yeah. that i'm i'm getting into something where i can sense that there's like an optimization uh route i lose interest because i'm like i don't want to like put the time into learning that and if i don't do that then like i'm not gonna do well like right yeah so. and i'm like the older i get as i you know like hit my mid-30s like the less i'm willing to grind um oh yeah and and even though I love level ups and level up mechanics and stuff like that, um, you know the the ding has less of an appeal to me now. Um, but I don't know. It's 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 an inter- it's kind of instructive to like look at, um, you know, on the one hand, uh, like what these these sort of games that are built to be super rich, self sufficient worlds, like or hermetic worlds, like like World of Warcraft. Uh, and like you know, UO and EverQuest and Lineage and stuff before it, um, that 
you know, the further it strayed from uh, abstraction, where characters were just icons on the screen, mm-hmm. uh, the less room there is really for players, I think, to project their own fantasy uh, lives and instead just kind of subscribe to this prefab fantasy that has been, you know, torturously designed for you. Um, you know, I think that really, in a, in a way, um, the mud is like an unimprovable oh, absolutely. technology. You know, yeah. this like w- world of literally pure language um, where you can construct and design the function of anything, no matter w- whether it's it's visualizable or not. Uh, and there, you know, you have this completely open-ended uh, platform in a way because it's just made of words. and Words can do anything, right? Right, yeah. Have we talked about this before? Because I was someone who was deeply into MUDs when I was a kid. You were? Yeah, I was. I played on uh, a bunch of different ones. Like, I think I played on a few fantasy ones for a while. Like, I tried some of the really big ones, like Akea and, like, uh, the ones that were still around even a few years ago and probably still are. Um, but I spent most of my time on... Uh, there was like a couple Star Wars muds that were like pretty rules heavy and also were like role play enforced. So yeah. <laughs> um, because that's something you can do on a small server that you can't do on an MMO is like if there's only like 20 people online at a given time and there's always at least one mod and that mod has access to all of the chats that are happening everywhere in the world. Um, if you break role play like in in person uh, then a mod can come and like punish you, and like that is an experience that I don't feel like is available on an MMO. Right? Yeah, punish me, daddy, for <laughs> or just like having this like it's almost like having like a D and D or like a pen and paper role playing game, except with with a DM that is abstracted through rules and like this sort of presence that only intervenes if something is is uh so if someone is breaking the rules um but otherwise it's just people like wandering around this world that has its own kind of like built-in mechanics and to me that's like the perfect fusion of like of like an electronic medium and then like social interaction yeah totally yeah and you know uh the the technology is just you know hammer that uh, people are going to exploit. Like, if you can do amazing graphics, they're going to do it. If you can do, like, uh, you know, intricate sort of, like, CPU-intensive uh, levels, then you're going to do that. And this is why open world is such a big thing now, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you, people are just doing it because we're able to do it now. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I really... I'll, part of me is very nostalgic for that era of just, like, the very low CPU mostly word-based experiences um uh like you know text adventures and stuff i didn't get to play muds back when they were most popular because i didn't have an internet connection then but i will say that later on like when i got things like aol um i'm about to admit to you like the the nerdiest thing i've literally ever done in my entire life and this is this is a very high bar um i was on a final fantasy three you know now six um message board where you role played as a moogle oh my god and moogles as you probably know only say kupo they only say that one word so participating in this community and being enrolled is literally just typing the word kupo oh my god over and over and over again in different configurations with different punctuation and that's what i did for probably six months wow that's incredible (laughs) that's amazing oh my god 
<laughs> did patterns emerge in this bo- like how okay i have so many questions yeah oh well, it's funny too because the mods had to stick to the same thing and they couldn't I mean, if they were going to reprimand you they would just have to coupo at you a lot like oh, sternly wow <laughs> did you all have like different avatars of moogles or were they all the same there was like not that many to choose from <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah it was, it was called coupoopolis wow that's an incredible I I'm just like amazed at human ingenuity sometimes. It's a rich tapestry. That website still exists. Does it? There's a site called Coopopolis Legends. Oh, maybe that's like the because I you know checked out of it and never looked back. I don't know. I don't, I sort of don't want to know what happened to it. Uh, this may be something else because it does look like people are using English. Yeah. RIP. Did you ever like try and look you just so you never like look up your old your old haunts? I do only to make sure that I can't find them. Because there's <laughs> so much fucking embarrassing shit. I mean, you know, we we are all a little bit hashtag blessed, uh, you know, in our thirties to not have most of our childhoods online. Oh sure. But yeah. like I was an early enough enough adopter that there would be some stuff. And like I really like sometimes late at night, uh like <laughs> wake up in a dead sweat being like what if my friendster account is still out there somewhere (laughs) or like you know um i i had a really dumb uh magic the gathering fanzine which was did pretty well in the aol community that was like my first kind of writing project um and yeah i would spend like months and months on these things there'd be like dozens of pages long um and I think that's also how I learned how to like touch type because mm. I just was sort of just intuiting it, working, you know, burning the midnight oil on this Magic the Gathering fancy, which I will not tell you the name of. Well, I respect your right to privacy. <laughs> My right to be forgotten. Yeah. Oh, man, that is such an important right that we don't talk about enough. Exactly. We don't have it here yet. No, it doesn't exist. Um, I mean, we luckily, um, you know, people in their their mid to late twenties and above, I think, have have experienced some of that. But um, younger people, just that does not exist. Um, it's just there forever. And if you ever wrote something ill conceived on Tumblr on your Tumblr when you were nineteen years old, and you're doing a Kickstarter when you're twenty five, you. <laughs> You better uh, better try and wipe that because people yeah, will try and find. Think- and I don't want to be John Ronson about this because fuck that guy. Um, <laughs> but I feel like there is a way to thread that needle of like, wow, the panopticon of like just searching back into people's pasts um, is bad. And also like, I feel like people set up this kind of dichotomy of like, all public shaming is like all all this stuff is bad and like no it's just like doesn't contribute to productive discourse versus like some other equally like uh banal kind of kind of angle but like it's it's not it's not great right like no it's not i mean i really think there's a way in which that you know internet permanence uh de-incentivizes sort of personal development because if you've held an opinion strongly 
uh, in the past or whatever, or even just said made a dumb joke, said something really stupid, and or things that are like legitimately unforgivable, right? Uh, it is now an albatross that'll be around your neck forever. Uh, so like, it, you know, no matter how earnestly you try to divorce yourself from that past, or whatever, it can always be unearthed to 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 beat you over the head with it. Right. Um, and if if you know this being the case. I can imagine people who are like, well, you know, I've, I've committed to this stance publicly online. There it is, you know. Uh, and so, why why change? Why why look stupid or wrong on the internet, and and try to change my opinion? Because we all know that the discourse doesn't brook a whole lot of you know nuance, or or or, or have a, a really strong conception of like personal rehabilitation or change. Yeah, no, we're not great at that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, something that I think we gotta gotta do. Gotta get our house in order. Yeah, absolutely. Online, get it together. Online, come on, come, come on, on, guys, come on. <laughs> Be cool. Be cool. Well, it's it's hell, but it's uh, can't can't live with it. Can't live without it. When you're plugged into the machine, that's how they get you. You can't disconnect. Yeah. I'm so jealous of my friends who have done that. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I think that I've benefited from the internet a lot more than uh, than than it's damaged or stunted me. I, what about you? Uh, yeah, I think so. On, on balance, I probably have as well. Um, and for the most part, like if I'm honest, I'm like, nah, I don't really want it. Like I'm still good. I'm still good here. I kind of <laughs> wish I kind of wish I were on one of the better and more popular social networks. Like someone the other day tweeted like, oh, why do rich people like stay on Twitter? Like, you know, you can just be on Instagram, right? Like that's like, if you're rich and famous, you don't have to be on this website. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I want to be like that level of rich where I can just be on Instagram. Um, yeah. That's well, my I dream. Mean- Right. And in that sense, like, you know, when you're that rich and famous, your life is Twitter, right? It's, mm. it's, it's under that level of scrutiny all the time. So That's why true. would you, you don't need to augment your own exposure. That's true. Yeah. No. Yeah. You've, you've got people watching everything you do anyway. So. Right. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I think like something that well is probably inevitable, uh, but is not really there yet is a, a really strong sense of locality uh, on the internet. You know, I think that there are like plenty of subreddits and message boards and things where people are doing their own thing more or less out of the public eye, but it doesn't quite feel yet like a community or like um, this utopian dream of like, you know, uh, uh, communities of interests uh, that uh, are have a, a strong you know, sense of identity and, and uh, more importantly, like regulation mm-hmm. uh, in them. You know, I mean, the closest we have is things like message boards with moderators. Uh, but even, you know, moderators can be shitheads too. That's certainly not a a, a, a very good model. Um, but I don't know what this would be. And, I, and nobody's going to do anything that's very labor intensive. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, w- I would love if... You could actually feel like you were having a a, a full um, – well, I don't know. I don't want to dismiss people who have relationships online that 
are very meaningful to them um, because I, you know, have a lot of those. But, uh, you know, I, I it, it doesn't scale up very well. No. Yeah, you're right. Um, and I think that is something that we've lost a little bit is that sense of locality because just the, the sort of death of forum culture and of, of live journal um, and replacing it with things like Tumblr and Twitter, like that sense of a sort of semi-permeable space I think has been lost. And like, that just could be my experience. I mean, I have no idea how teens use the internet and like, it's very possible that they still have like, you know, private RP tumblers and like things like, like just that there are spaces like that, yeah, but Snapchats. But, yeah. Snapchat, like, but even Snapchat feels like less of a space maybe this is just because I don't use it. So this could just be me projecting my ignorance, but it feels like less of a space and more of a vector or like, you know, delivery mechanism. Um, yeah. I, I was surprised to hear you say that you think that form culture is dead because I feel like it's almost the opposite that it's just like metastasized, oh. you know, um, that like what used to be a kind of a garden walled space for, you know, people to recognize each other and uh, build a coherent identity and stuff like that has just spilled out uh, into the public so that, you know, on Twitter, there are well-known handles and those handles will be like, quoted in New York Times articles <laughs> and like, uh, uh, you know, har mined and harvested for content. Um, I'm, I'm working on an essay about this right now about like um, how what used to be uh, – a sort of curated discourse and curated by editors or, or TV producers or people like that who set the agenda for a cultural conversation uh, have now kind of shifted to a, like a, a bottom-up model, which in theory should be more democratic and reflective of, of what people are concerned with, but like in reality ends up becoming uh, an environment where you know, a, a lot of people are gaming uh, things like outrage or uh, topicality mm -hmm. uh, for, you know, increased social status or uh, visibility. And this feeds, you know, the editors who are, uh, you know, have their hashtag alerts set on their tweet decks, you know, pick up on this and then mm -hmm. feed it back to everybody. And it, it just becomes this circular human centipede of, you know, just of, 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 you know, nastiness and vulgarity. Yeah. It's, it's, it's weird. Um, I've thought about this a lot and, um, I look forward to that, that piece that you're writing because, uh, I think, yeah, you're someone who has, has probably been like, has, has been around for like a few different waves of this stuff and, yeah. um, has like an angle on it that I think is, really fascinating um well, i mean the funny thing is that it started when i made a joke in an interview you know i was aware of this that this might be a critique of my book um before it came out that uh it's you know topical am i trying to speak to the issues of the contemporary blah, 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 blah. and I, I really am not right um but uh i just made this gag where i'm like yeah if i'm going to start a literary movement it would be called you know post relevance or something and then uh, I didn't mean anything by it. And in two or three other interviews after that, um, 
people I picked up on this earlier interview and were like, so tell me about this post-relevance movement <laughs> that, that, you're, that you're the figurehead of. And I'm like, no, it's not a thing. But it's like, I could, it, it's very easy to see how it could become a thing just from uh, my having planted the seed and having it fed back to me so that I could expand on it and keep this like shuttlecock in the air. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so now I'm just like, it, it, the result of it is me writing this essay called, uh, you know, on relevance, uh, where I'm talking about this phenomenon. Yeah. And it's, it's just like, it's weird as hell. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's something that occupies so much of my brain and like, I'm not even sure like what, I'm still like sorting out my thoughts about it. It's just like confusing and weird and what a time to be alive. Um, what a time to be online. <laughs> uh, so uh, I may have neglected to mention this to you. Uh, we have one real segment on the show. Okay. Get wrecked. It's called Get Wrecked and it is a segment where uh, you, the guest, and I, the host, recommend something to oh, right. our listeners, and um, I. Uh, it can be anything. So it can be a book. It can be a game. It can be. It doesn't have to be a piece of media. It can be a meal. It can be a feeling. It can be more than a feeling. It can be hooked on a feeling. Uh, <laughs> it can be any of those things. Um, so I. Uh, I'm happy to go first or you can go first um, either way. Also, if you have more than one thing, precedent has been set for that as well. So it's, it's the sky is the limit here. Okay. Uh, and does my, does my like recommendation have to be in counterpoint or conversation to your, with yours? Or, it does it not. Or, it okay. can be distinct completely. Um, it is not in relation to mine. I'm sure we can find one anyway. Okay. Uh, would you like me to go first? Yes. Very good. So, I recently recorded an episode of my other podcast, Dad Feelings, about Optimus Prime with my friend Jane Weedle. And in the course of recording that episode, I was provided with some material to read about the Transformers. And I had not read or encountered any kind of Transformers material since I was a child. I was a fan of Beast Wars. Uh, mm-hmm. And other than that, I guess I saw some of the original cartoon, but it was a little before my time. Um, and so I sort of, you know, like we all do, we all know who who the Transformers are. We are aware of their uh millennia long civil war um we can name you know an optimus or a megatron yeah or or megan fox or megan or, fox or, is my, or zelda my me- favorite transformer megan fox is possibly my favorite transformer and i do love that scene in that first movie which is the only one of that series that i've seen where uh megan fox and uh shia labeouf make out on the hood of a car which is a living being right uh implicating him in their sex act um and i don't know if bumblebee consented to that um (laughs) so i oh bumblebee fucks trust (sighs) me (laughs) anyway i was led to a comic called more than meets the eye 
And what this is, is I guess IDW is the, the comics uh, publishing house that has the rights to the Transformers series. And they had just been publishing this increasingly complex series of books and just things were getting just wild. And so at one point they were like, we're just splitting it into two series. Basically the Decepticon Autobot war is over and some people stay on the planet to sort of like help create a new society. And some of them are like, we don't know what to do with ourselves now that this war that we've been fighting in for 4 million years is over. We're going to go on a spaceship and go look for like the mythical God founders of our society. Um, and that's the series that I'm reading called More Than Meets the Eye. And it's written by a guy named James Roberts. And it's extremely good. And like, I realize that I'm talking about a series where robots turn into cars. <laughs> but it's like, they've taken that absurd premise and just been like, yeah, no, it's just really weird, guys. Um, there are gay transformers. There are, I mean, and like, because they're mostly all dudes, most of them are just kind of asexual i guess like or aromantic but like there is this couple um it's a lot about ptsd and the effects of like fighting this like internecine conflict for four million years and then not doing that anymore um there's like a lot about how every other like race in the galaxy just fucking hates the transformers because like all they do is fight um there's stuff about like why do some of them turn into cars and some of them turn into like other things? Um, it's like very funny and like very, and it's, it was apparently really well received by just general comics critics. Um, and so I am going to recommend that this week because I'm only four volumes into the series. Like it's been running for a long time and I think it recently restarted under a name, a name called like lost light. But, um, it's like very good. <laughs> I love it. I, I, it's my favorite thing in the world when like something just by dint of, of going on for a long time, sort of like no matter how thin the premise that they begin with, like has nowhere to go, but deep. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, and it, and it, it starts to, to sort of expand and the tale grows in the telling. And then you have, you know, meditations on PTSD and in, in the Transformers franchise. Right. Um, I... <laughs> it's not, it's not even like the only piece of like, transforming car related media though i mean like wasn't there i i can't remember the name of this show but i did there's definitely it felt like to me like an american attempt at at translating ranma uh but instead of turning into a woman the guy whenever he gets wet turns into a car oh um because uh, for the cartoon i'm talking about for a second i thought you were talking about gobots which is just a oh uh turbo Teen? Yes, Turbo Team. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yeah. The, the, it's just like the idea that's just like, oh, well, like, obviously when you get wet, you would turn into a car. <laughs> you know, and then like yeah. they, they have this like grotesque transformation sequence where his face gets all stretched out and it becomes mm -hmm. like the, the headlights and grill. And uh, he could, I think he could still talk. Uh, I think so. Yeah. It's so upsetting. God, I'm, oh, fuck, Turbo Team is the worst. Like, uh, you know, Johnny football, like Letterman jacket wearing, you know, all American teen turns into like a red hot Corvette or something. Yeah, that is just, that raises, it's a little bit more body horror than Transformers. Um, because it's like a flesh boy turning into a car. Right, exactly. Yeah, Cronenbergian yeah, kind yeah. of thing. I, I, I love, but I just like love the idea of some producer being like, hey, this Ranma thing is really blown up overseas. But, you know, like, 
man turning into a woman, I don't know, but like, <laughs> but a car. That's, a car. That's what we can all get behind. What that. do Americans hate? Uh, sexual ambiguity. What do they love? <laughs> Cars. Cars. Yeah, he should have had the sidekick that turned into a gun or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, Megatron turned into a gun in the original Transformers, which I always thought was kind of funny. Is that true? Yeah. He, oh, wait, how how deep in the lore do you need to be to appreciate more than meets uh, the eye? More than meets the eye, yeah. Very not at all. I will say that I have made a lot of trips to the Transformers wiki, which I don't think is required, but I also recommend because it's like written by people who are just like just having a lot of fun with it and like you know, there's like always cutouts with like um like any wiki like if there's a character page, it's like um photos of the character doing stuff instead of like serious captions that are like here's megatron like shooting a gun it's like just like all king of the hill quotes or like there's one character who's just like really old and it's all grandpa simpson quotes um (laughs) and there's like there's a character who only speaks in rhyme and the entire page is written in rhyme um so it's like this seems like they're having fun over there like i'm like maybe the transformers fandom is like actually really good like no one told me but maybe it's like actually one of the best ones (laughs) yeah and and also like I love that it gives this like retroactive depth to like the sort of concept of more than meets the eye, right? Where it's, yeah. originally it was just referring to the fact that a car turns into a robot and vice versa, but that, you know, now it's just like, oh, the series itself is more than meets the eye. It's, <laughs> it's got these like hidden depths to it. Yeah. And it's still, it's funny because there's still like, like primarily that franchise is about selling toys. Um, and they still grapple with that a little bit of like the, the, you know, the authors or whatever have to like seed to, to Hasbro and they're like, you need to show off this new character. And they're like, uh, I guess, I mean, I think this comic is a little more exempt from that because it is sort of like editorially independent or more so than like the cartoons and things. But, um, but that does still very much play into it. And like, I think the Transformers fans like have a lot of fun with that. So Um, God bless. I, I, uh, I have one more question before I give my rec, which is um, do the Transformers in their car form need to use fuel? Do they run on like fossil fuels? No, they run on Energon. Ah, okay. Yeah, they eat it. That's their food. Although there, there are issues where they turn off. They have like, I guess, like a fuel modulation thing and they can disable it to get drunk off of drinking fuel so uh oh so they drink they they can drink petroleum to get drunk i it may it's like maybe like space fuel i don't know exactly and they're not on earth in this one so i don't know if like that's that's a thing that they drink gasoline but i i love the idea that these aliens just so happen to look exactly (laughs) like human cars Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's like the guys that they choose. I don't know. I again, I'm just totally no, neophyte spitballing here. I I'm still not sure on a lot of this, and like I think they just like played off a lot of the, like a lot of it. Um, but yeah, so that's that's my thing. Man, Megatron turned into a gun. That was weird. Do you think he would like turn into a tank? But no, he turned into a gun, which then another Transformer had to fire. But like the size issues seemed just kind of weird. Right. Oh, well, like a, like a howitzer or like no, a, like a handgun. Like Saturday night special. Yeah. Whoa. Okay. And uh, what would he shoot? He sh- he shot lasers. They all shot lasers oh. because oh, okay. that was like less. So it wasn't uh, like violent. like one of those like weird lizards that like like ejects part of its body as a defense mechanism or something. <laughs> what lizards? I think there's literally. I think there's a lizard that like. Uh, 
its tail drops off so that it can run away faster or something. Oh, yeah, but it doesn't fire its tail. Like, I mean, it should, spring-loaded. though. It's spring-loaded. It's not like an action figure. I mean, that well, is, if they made the, the toy version of that, that's what would happen. There's another kind of lizard, or maybe not a lizard. Don't at me. Uh, <laughs> another kind of lizard, or maybe not. The two. Uh, that's all all possible things. Yeah, yes, but go it, on. It, shoots out, it shoots out like a third of its blood out of its eyeball okay sorry i'm gonna have to stop you right there because you're just talking about (laughs) dio brando from jojo's bizarre adventure at this point (laughs) sorry blood eye lizard (sighs) maybe that's where they got it from yeah i really hope i'm not making that up because i I think that this is a this is a fact that i've lived my entire life no that's real it's the horned lizard (laughs) whoa i love these guys they're just like real thick and spiky (laughs) they're like low-key thick and they can shoot their uh, – they're not as thick after they shoot most of their blood out, though. Wow, oh, they do. That's – this confuses Predator. It's like, do you just shoot blood at me? <laughs> bro, you shoot your, this, bro yeah. what is happening right now? Um, it also tastes foul to canine and feline predators, but it has no effect against predatory birds. Birds don't give a shit. Yeah, they don't. They can fly. They can fly. They're like, dude – gross but like i'm still gonna <laughs> eat you um they're also called the horny toad so oh that's a horny toad the horny toad is the one that squirts yeah they're not really toads or frogs they're reptiles but um horny toad sounds better just scans better it does oh i love these guys they're really cute Oh, I didn't know the blood thing either. Thank you for telling me that. I learned something today. Yeah, that's not my wreck, by the way. <laughs> Just like, horny toads. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, what is it then? Um, I've got a, I've got a handful of things. Um, I'm going to start with um, this Alyssa Nutting novel that I just finished. It came out yesterday, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I won the uh, uh, galley in a raffle. Oh. And it's so good. And uh, it also... To relate it to yours uh, is about kind of uh, like different forms and configurations and transfigurations of bodies. Um, it's about uh, a woman who's divorced a basically fictitious, you know, uh, uh, Google CEO. Uh, in the book, it's called Google, um, and is you know kind of on the run. Thinks that her ex-husband's going to track her down and kill her because he wanted to uh, put a chip in her brain to have the two of their brains like mind meld with one another uh, and have it be a big PR coup that would like encourage adoption of this technology. Um, and, but it's all, there's all these like uh, amazing subplots about like her father uh, buying a real doll for like companionship in his waning years. And uh, like a guy who, uh, you know, has this kind of ambiguously traumatic experience that makes him really, really want to fuck dolphins. And it's just, (laughs) it's the funniest book. It's like probably the only like laugh out loud, funny book I've read in a long time. Mm. Um, and just cruel and, uh, totally like over the top absurd. Like it's getting, uh, hyped a lot right now. I think it was on CNN yesterday. Uh, but it actually totally lives up to the hype. Like it's just, uh, just, mean and unfeeling and incredibly funny wow that sounds great um do i mean unfeeling it's no it just it goes back to what i was saying before where it's just like it's just pitiless that's what i mean um 
so that's my first thing. My second thing is the thing that I recommend to everybody, which is um, this amino acid supplement called L-theanine. Uh, <laughs> and hear me out. Uh, because, you know, I uh, had this like really bad spell of anxiety for about a year. And I tried like every pill on God's green earth just to see if something would work. And uh, this is the only thing that I've found that actually did anything. Um, uh, it's basically like, it's a, I think I read that it was like an extract of green tea. Uh, and it's like a baby Xanax. It gives you like the most amazing sleep. If you're ever like a fitful sleeper or if you mm-hmm. have the problem I do where you like wake up too early and you can't get back to sleep, um, then this is your thing. It just like keeps you down, but it doesn't make you drowsy. You can also like take one with uh, take a couple with coffee in the morning and it just like removes all the like the negative side effects of of coffee like the jitters and the anxiety and stuff it's amazing that sounds great so recommend that to everybody uh and i don't know vaping fidget spinners <laughs> the Nintendo switch <laughs> just all of the millennial faves yeah yeah got to know your audience yeah no that's it's key that's key i tried a fidget spinner for the first time the other day and uh i i'm with the the arc of my relationship to the fidget spinner was the first time i tried it was like i hate this this sucks and then within five minutes was like oh my god i love this so much (laughs) yeah well i I mean i love the idea of of a visible fad i feel like this has gone out of vogue a little bit but there used to be you know yeah uh, a time where you could go outside and everybody would be like playing with a hula hoop or a, an aerobi or like a slap bracelet or something. Yeah, or like devil sticks or like yeah. uh, contact juggling. The bop it. The bop it. Yeah. <laughs> the 90s were really a good time for fads. And I don't yeah. know. We, we need this, you know? I mean, people are down on fidget spinners and hoverboards, but I feel like we need this. Yeah, I really like going out and being like, wow, everyone's using the same thing at the same time. That's actually what I like most about Pokemon Go. Oh, where yeah. I could be out like watching by, you know, through like Washington Square Park in the middle of the night, like 1 a.m. And, and a guy's just like, there's a Vaporeon over there. You know? <laughs> Pro fads, I think, is the message of this podcast. Yeah. Well, I think that will just about do it for us. All right. Um, thank you so much for coming on. This was, uh, this was really great. Yeah. Um, do you want to tell people where they can find you online? Yeah. Uh, just at Tony Tula on Twitter, um, uh, and most other places, um, or, uh, my Amazon page where they can buy my book. Yeah. We called- didn't talk about your book. Yes. Uh, I sort of talked over it a little bit, but private citizens is the book. Uh, it's excellent. Um, it was called, I believe it was called the first millennial novel or the best millennial novel. The, the tagline was the first great millennial novel, which was just like a, you know, subhead for this review <laughs> that, that had nothing, no such hyperbole attached to it. Mm. Um, but no, it's, it's great. People should pick it up for sure. Um, and yeah, do you have any, any events or anything coming up or, uh, not really. I'm trying to just sort of go back uh, uh, underground to work on my books now. I, I'm thinking of starting a, a writing teaching company. So if anyone out there lives in Brooklyn and wants to take a socialist writing class, <laughs> hell yeah, at me. Nice. Um, cool. Well, thank you again so much. Sure. Um, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. And I will talk to you later. All right. Bye. Bye.
拜。Secrets is hosted by Merrick Kay and produced and edited by me, Nick Bravo. Woodland Secrets is a part of Stay Mean, the world's only podcast network. We're entirely listener-supported. If you enjoy the show, please consider becoming a patron of Stay Mean at woodlandsecrets.co/support. For as little as three bucks a month, you'll get access to a monthly newsletter and frequent bonus episodes of our shows. If you'd like to have a message read on the show. Head to woodlandsecrets.co/messages. You can help people find out about the show. Please mention us on Twitter. We're at Woodland Podcast and at Stay Mean Co. Or rate and review us in iTunes. We really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. <laughs>